I don't know. I don't, I'm not like signing up like I will never drink again. I promise, you know, right. sign Sean. Oh, but it's like there's no temptation and I'm happier not drinking. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like I know my life is better. My relationships with people are better. All that kind of shit. So. I'm pretty sure drunk Sean was pretty fun, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You should have seen, I don't know, the times I was crying drunk or throwing up all over my bathroom or shit like that. That, you know, I'm glad it's not part of my life anymore, you know? Yeah. That doesn't sound like fun at all. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> I haven't had that much quote-unquote fun in a long time. <laughs> the last time I had that much fun, I drank a whole box of uh, pink Franzia wine. Welcome to episode 45 of the RF Generation Playcast. I'm Ghost 81 and this is our annual year-end wrap-up as well as a rundown of our December competition. If you've heard any of our past year-end shows, you know you're in for a smorgasbord of entertainment. For this special celebration, Playthrough All-Star Dougley007 will join us as we count down our top five playthrough games from the year and talk about our experience with Punch-Out and Super Punch-Out, as well as the usual variety of random topics. It has been a fantastic year for the community playthroughs and the playcast, so sit back and relax as we look back on 2017 and gear up for an amazing 2018. Please remember to subscribe to us on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. You can listen to the show on Podbean and iTunes. As always, don't forget to log on to rfgeneration.com to join our playthroughs and discuss the amazing games we play together. Thank you as always for listening, and now on with the playcast. So, Sean, the other day you sent me a video from RGT85, and it was this video about high-value poor games. And I remember getting it, you sending it to me, and I was like, ugh, another one of these videos, right? But uh, it was actually really, really good. I really enjoyed the video because the guy who's doing it, RGT85, He's very like self-aware that he's one of these people that is buying these same games that are high-value items that are terrible. I think one was, uh, and pardon me, Bill, but Web of Fire for the 32X. <laughs> yeah. I've got my Web of Fire in CIB, but yeah. yeah, it is awful. 
Yeah, and so it was this video of like, why do we collect these really poor games that are such high-valued items, and a video about the collector's mentality, and Sean and I have spoke very candidly about this on the show many times. We kind of view collecting in a much, much different way. And it's funny because our guest today, Dougley007 for the site, you've heard us mention his name several times. He plays all of our playthrough games and actually joined us last year in our best of 2016. And um, I think Doug even falls into the other category, which is something that we were talking about while we were texting, and that is as a hoarder. <laughs> oh god no I, it really is i'm i'm sitting in my basement right now and all i can see is video game stuff if i turn my head anyway now i feel like i have a pretty big collection i've got around 3500 titles how many do you have doug oh that's a cute collection um, i've got <laughs> my my collection is uh, according to the rf generation page let me go ahead and pull it up and i can tell you the exact count because i always say the rough count it's but around 9,000, though, it's, right? It's around 75, almost oh, okay. uh, 8,000. If we go with our software, 7,760, and that's wow. software. Now, of course, that does not count any digital games. That's only physical. I have another category for Steam games and games I've bought on digital. Because, you know, those aren't games. I just borrow those games from the company. <laughs> they can take it back at any time they want. Very cool. So you're making good use of our RF Generation collection tool. And uh, again, uh, we enjoyed having you on the show so much last year that I think it was probably the end of July or August. I was like, Doug, you want to be on the show again because we're kind of planning things early and definitely wanted to have you back. So thanks for joining us, man. No problem. I, I really enjoy it. This is why I love to talk about video games. It's something I know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you got so many, you got to know something about them, right, at least? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I want to apologize for the show last year. There was lots of uh, snot sucking and coughing last year. I think all three of us were under the weather last year, but we I think we all, sick, sound, yeah. we, we all sound fairly healthy this year, so that's really good. Yeah, I'm somewhat there. I've been taking Dayquil and Nightquil to fend something off, but I'm, I'm feeling fine just trying to stay that way. So... I did want to mention that Doug was actually featured on our last Game Room feature. I do this thing on RF Generation where I ask this list of questions to some of our members, and they provide me with pictures of their Game Room. And I guess I've done about seven of those. I think you might have been number seven, Doug. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and all the site members seem to really enjoy reading those, so I'm just going to continue doing those as long as I can find people to participate. And you are actually our feature for November, right? That was supposed to be the feature for, like, September, and then uh, I had uh, an incident that prevented us. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that, or does that yeah, make no, that's you too fine. sad? No, no that's okay. Um, no, I had uh, my, my nephew was staying with us. It was actually the first day he was staying with us, and um, he stopped up the toilet upstairs right before oh. we left for Girl Scouts. Not only did he stop it up, but the toilet handle got stuck down, so the water started running. So we... um. Left for Girl Scouts for two and a half hours, came back to water just flowing out of the toilet and covering up everywhere upstairs. Our master bedroom was covered in water, like had a, about an inch thick water layer on it. And then I came down into the basement where all my video games are, and it's raining. It's pouring down water everywhere. And of course, it's been doing that for over two hours. All the air vents in the house full of water. So everywhere there was an air vent, there was water dripping down. Eight CRTs, completely full of water, 
dripping out the back. Have you seen the sections where the television didn't have anything hooked up to it when you looked at the pictures next to the high-def television? Yes. That was the section where I had all of my um, oddball systems. So that's where the Neo Geo, Turbo Graphics, Turbo Duo, 3DO, CDI, and uh, Atari Jaguar. That's where they sat, and they were all filled with water. Oh, my goodness, man. First thing I did on those, and, and also um, the plastic bins where I had my controllers. I don't know if I took a picture of that, but I had, like, the little kids' plastic bins where you can, like, take off the shelves. Uh-huh. Well, I had my Game Gears in that, and those were completely full of water. So I was able to save all of my Game Gears minus one, and now it's my Majestico one, and I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, it's one of those things that I powered on, and it turns off right away. And I recapped it and everything else. But that was the major system I lost. I was able to save all my other hardcore ones. The biggest thing I lost that was kind of hard to replace was I had a 1995 VR helmet system that you could hook up component cables to. It had stereo headphones. It was really cool. Yeah, that one's dead. Uh, I can't get that to work at all. And I lost uh, one of my Xbox 360s. And four of my PlayStation 3 controllers don't hold a charge anymore. I'm assuming I just need to buy batteries for those. So, I mean, for the most part, I got really lucky that I got in there and, and got all the water out. But, I mean, we were out of the house for almost a month and a half. We had people in and out. It was crazy. And then, of course, you know, on top of that, my cars died. <laughs> 2017 can't end quick enough. I'm done with this year. It could just go away <laughs> and never come back. Which I I assume that's how that works. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hope you at least have a nice holiday out of it all. Yeah, yeah. So far, so good. We're still going through all the crap getting moved back in the house. And my wife decided since we had to pack up the entire house and put in the garage, when we're unpacking it, she wants to go through it and not have to worry about putting all the stuff back in. So we are going through box by box upstairs. Now, of course, that didn't count towards my video games. (laughs) She's like, that's in the basement. I don't care about that. Well, all right. Again, good to have you on the show, man, and uh, glad we could make this happen again this year. Uh, I want to start off with a little bit of news. We recorded our Final Fantasy Adventure podcast a few weeks ago, so I'm guessing like our pickups and what we're playing are going to be a little smaller this month. But I did want to say, after that recording, I went over to my neighbor's house, and I had my first experience with VR, Sean. Nice. What'd you think? I thought it was pretty cool. It was a much neater experience than I thought it was going to be. The first thing that I actually played was a an underwater simulator where I was just sort of in a dive cage and went to the bottom of the sea. Kind of the unfortunate thing is I had my six-year-old son with me, and so we had to turn the shark off, of course, because he was terrified. (laughs) He didn't want to see that. And that really limited the amount of games that we could actually play. Now, was this... This was PlayStation VR, not Oculus or anything, right? That's correct. PlayStation VR. And um, my neighbor has a lot of VR games, and we were trying to find something that would be appropriate and wouldn't scare my son. So I ended up doing Job Simulator, which it's okay. It's not the most exciting thing, obviously, by the title. But uh, yeah, it was a little clunkier than I thought it was going to be. We couldn't really get it to work right. We couldn't get it calibrated correctly. I'm not sure if that has anything to do with the game or the system or, you know, the types of controls. But as I was leaving, my neighbor said, you know, what we should have done was let you play Batman. 
And I was like, yeah, yeah. why did we not play Batman? <laughs> so um, I'll say I'm not buying into the VR experience. I'm not ready to spend the money, pull the trigger on that. But I did think it was cool and uh, definitely want to try it out again. So there's that. Neat. Yeah. Doug, have you got VR? I do not. I'm not not anything from this century. <laughs> I've got like the Video Max uh, that was a, a early '90s VR system, and yeah. the um, the other one that I had. Now um, I have gone and played the VR system they had um, at the Microsoft Store. It was like some snowball simulator, so I had to like throw snowballs at a snowman and build up an ice wall to stop him from hitting me. And so I'm like, wow, that was pretty fun. And the lady like looked impressed that I could figure it out on my first go. She's like, "How did you do that?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" Like most people fumble and don't know what they're doing when they first pick it. I'm like, um, "I've had a couple years of playing video games. I, I usually can pick them up and figure them out." <laughs> but it was actually pretty fun. Again, I'm in the same boat. I, I look at it. I'm like, "That's really cool," but I kind of set myself on hardware limit for new hardware game system wise. I don't want to spend over two ninety nine. That's yeah. always been my limit since really when I started buying new stuff as an adult. There's no way I'm going to spend five hundred dollars on an Xbox One X. Well, I've heard recently that they've actually dropped the price down to like one ninety nine. I'm not sure if that's true or not, or if that was just some special that was going on around the holidays on some site. But is this something that would be tempting to uh, either you or Sean at one ninety nine? Yeah, that would be tempting to me. Uh, but some of the games, just they're not that interesting. And like, I don't want to rebuy Skyrim for the seventh time. It still needs to wow me with uh, some good software. Yeah, I'd agree. All right, well, let's go ahead and move into pickups. We've got a lot to cover this episode because we're not only going to be talking about our two games that we're playing in our December competition, but we're also going to be doing our top five best of 2017. So um, let's start with you, Sean. What have you picked up? I only have one pickup that I remember since the last show, and it's a game called Moco Moco Friends on the 3DS. And uh, I bought it just based on the cover art and the price mm -hmm. that I got it at. It looks like a cartoony, girlish game for kids. And I did do a little bit of research, and it's kind of like a monster rancher type of game, a little bit of Pokemon and, uh, you know, menu tweaking, min-maxing kind of you know, monster farming kind of game, but it's also super cute pastel colors, art design. So kind of excited to play it, but that might be the last of my impulse purchases. Hopefully my kind of New Year's resolution is to just stop buying shit all the time for no reason. <laughs> and uh, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I actually went in and canceled all my Amazon pre-orders because I was just looking at things and saying what like I don't even know what this is or why I'm signing up to pay 60 bucks for something that I don't even know what it is or you know 51.99 after the <laughs> discount so yeah I don't know how that's going to affect my scores going forward I still love hunting and going to thrift shops and looking through the books and the DVDs and stuff so Hopefully I'll run run into things now and then, but I'm trying to tone it down as far as internet spending. It was getting out of hand. I gotcha. Now, is that game something you think my son would like? Because I've come across that game quite a few times for the 3DS, but never really picked it up. Only kind of looked at the back cover. 
when I looked it up on YouTube, there are so few videos on it. It's really not getting any exposure at all. But mm-hmm. I, I did watch one video on it that I thought was pretty informative. And uh, I'll look it up. I can't remember the YouTuber's name, but I'll, I'll pull it up in my history and email it to you. Cool. All right. Moving right along. Doug, uh, give us a few pickups for the last two or three weeks. Well, um... I, I did some uh, internet buying for some Japanese Game Gear games. So I got uh, Defenders of Oasis, the Japanese version, which is uh, Shadow Crusader, mm-hmm. uh, just because it was 99 cents. And <laughs> I was actually wanting, I ordered from the same guy. It was one of those things that I wanted to get Shining Force Gaiden, which I, I got Shining Force Gaiden. I, I, I'm going to butcher this name. Um, Doriamon, the one with the cat, the blue cat guy. So yeah, I picked up those three Game Gear games and I actually just got those in the mail like two days ago, so that was exciting. The other thing I've got is uh, my buddy, um, he collects, but he's getting out of the collection, so he doesn't want people to hound him, so he's trying to stay anonymous, but he wants to sell them. That means he's throwing them all at me to sell. So I've got a bunch of MVS games, and in a trade for me selling those, I got to keep Neo Turf Masters for the uh, Neo Geo. Oh man, such a great game. I love that game. And Thrash Rally. Uh, the racing game. So those are my game pickups. And then I had one system pickup, which is the uh, Dina from um, Telegames. It's a ColecoVision. It has two cartridge slots in it, but it doesn't say what the second slot is for. So after some internet research, I found out it, it is for the uh, Sega SG-1000. The uh, oh, wow. system was originally created in Asia. And when Telegames came and ported over, they changed nothing about it to the point that the RF signal you have to change it on channel 13. <laughs> Doing some more research on it, found I'm going to have to buy some heat sinks on it because it was poorly designed and the chips overheat. Oh, wow. So before I even mess with it, since it's not a cheap system, I'm going to get in there and clean it up and get some heat sinks on some of the chips so I don't have to worry about it dying. And I ordered an SG-1000 game that I should be getting soon, I hope. When you get it from the uh, China Mail, who knows when you actually get it. I ordered that from Game Gavel. If you guys ever have you ever used Game Gavel, or absolutely, Game Gavel's a good place. And the only thing is that there's not much bidding going on over there, so almost everything is buy it now. But besides that, it's a good place to find some randomly good games. Yeah, I think I still have a grandfathered account over there where I was selling a few things. Um, it doesn't get as much traffic as eBay, so like you said, a lot of stuff that was bid on in the past is probably a lot more buy it now just because of that um, but yeah I should have a grandfather account and should be able to buy and sell things I think even list for free they had done that for people that signed up early enough yeah yeah I was like I signed up when they first announced the site so I'm I'm, I'm also grandfathered in I think the normal fee is five to five uh, percent and I think the grandfathered in people are less than that I, I yeah. don't know I haven't I haven't checked it I haven't sold anything on there I might put some of these MVS games on there because they're not moving. I'm just doing Facebook, and I made a post on RF Generation, but I don't know. It's one of those things that they're hard to figure out the good price on them because so many of them that sells on Facebook are bootlegs. Not Facebook, I'm sorry, eBay. eBay, where you're trying to get the pricing, is are mostly bootlegs, and people know they are, so they don't pay as much as if they were the real thing. Yeah. Well, good luck on your sales, man. If uh, anybody's looking for some MVS games, come to RF Generation. Check That's them right. out. I'm surprised Crabmaster hadn't bought them all from you yet. Uh, he hasn't mentioned anything on the uh, post, so he may not have seen it. Oh, I send him a link. <laughs> all right, that'll work. <laughs> I thought you had said maybe your pickups were just 
20 tons of rice to dry out all your oh game systems, man. <laughs> I know better than that. Uh, it was actually um, rubbing alcohol. You don't want to dry them out with rice. What I did is I took them apart, and then I actually rinsed them off with water. That way you'd get all the um, soot and crap out of them. And then you'd use like a, a mixture of water and rubbing alcohol, spray it in there, and then that way it will dehydrate and, and pull the water up with the uh, alcohol. It dries it out better than rice. Because rice actually doesn't do anything unless it's actually touching the water. Oh, okay. Just a little bit to, bit of nerdiness. Good to know. Next time my f- cell phone falls in the water, I'll know. So I have to take it apart. Yep. All right, so pickups for me. Um, I have a ton of pickups here. I don't know why. I got so many games in like three weeks, but things just kind of popped up and became available. I had some money in my PayPal account, and uh, I've been wanting a copy of Tales of Destiny to go along with my Tales of Destiny 2 that I already had. So I actually picked that up for a decent price. I got that off of eBay. And as far as other PS1 RPGs are concerned, I contacted Sean the other day, and he's been telling me about the game Rhapsody. And, you know, I've gotten really interested in playing that at some point. And I think that's on our short list, right, Sean? Oh, yeah. I love that game so much. Yeah, so uh, I actually picked that up for 30 bucks. I had the disc in it and had the music disc and the manual. Uh, the case was cracked, so I just picked up one of the Gran Turismo games <laughs> and just yeah. cannibalized the case on that. So, uh, yeah, it was a really, really great deal. And then I did some Black Friday shopping this year and found a copy of Sparkster at a decent price for the Super Nintendo. Uh, it's a game I had been looking for for a while, so I picked that up. I got a package in the mail a few weeks ago, and it was from our good buddy Steven from the site. He had a copy of Dragon Force for the Sega Saturn for sale. And of course, Steven, as we've mentioned before, always hooks us up with some good deals. So I contacted him, and it was a no-brainer for me to go ahead and pick that game up. I had a copy of Axiom Verge on pre-order. I think it's the Collector's Edition, and got that for the PS4. came in the mail from Amazon. I picked up a copy of Oxenfree off eBay. This is a game that I was looking for at my local convention, but I couldn't find a copy. And if you actually pay attention to our front page, you know that that will be our playthrough game in January. I also received in the mail a copy of Friday the 13th. This was my Kickstarter copy that I had ordered. It's pretty cool. Really, the only difference in the Kickstarter copy and what was sold in the stores was it comes in a special slipcover, and then they also threw in a magnet and a sticker with it. A lot of people that back this on Kickstarter aren't very happy with the way things turned out, especially when you backed a game for about 60 bucks and they're selling it in the stores for 30 or $40, when the only thing that you're getting that's additional and you've waited longer on the game to be put out than what people were able to pick up in the stores is a slipcover, essentially. People hadn't been very happy about that on the forums with Gum Media. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. I don't know what their next project is, but we'll see how that kind of affects the backing on their next project. I think people were expecting a little bit more on that. I actually picked up a copy of Freaky Flyers, very cheap, and Metal Gear Solid Rising, and Alice in Wonderland on the DS. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Rising is a game that Sean and I have talked about before as possible playthrough. It's a really cheap game, and I was thinking about pulling the trigger on it several times. But recently, I found the game, and it was a Walmart version of the game, and it actually has a second disc that has the full soundtrack on it. 
So I thought the same price, I could get the one with the soundtrack. And, you know, it was just a good time to pull the trigger on that game. I've heard from a ton of people how great of a game it is. And uh, Sean's been bugging me about how I need to play it as well. So it's definitely one I want to put on my list to uh, play through. I'm assuming it's not your typical stealth type Metal Gear Solid game, Sean? Oh, no. It's a platinum developed hack and slash slice and dice. It's a bombastic action game. There's not a single thing stealth about it. All right. Well, I think I'm ready to play it now, man. I think uh, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid on this one. And from what all I've heard and from the members on the website, I think this might have to be one that we put on the list to do. Okay. Well, then I'll wait for that to happen before I play it. I think I picked that up a while ago, but I haven't even put it in. For the newer systems, I'll buy a lot of stuff, but I got a bunch of new Xbox One games, and um, I'm playing Fallout New Vegas on it. So that's how things work. (laughs) All right, so a few other pickups. Sorry, guys. I know this is running a little long. I also picked up a copy of Neo. That was for sale on Gamefly. It was like 15 bucks with free shipping. Uh, it was a Christmas sale that they were doing, so I went ahead and grabbed that. I think GameStop's still selling it for around 40 bucks. So this is one I've been waiting on for a while for the price to go down on it. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to go ahead and grab that while it was cheap. I actually found a copy of Diablo 2, the big box game, on PC uh, recently in a store for under 5 bucks. A lot of people have been telling me about how good Diablo 2 is on the PC. I haven't played it. I've only played Diablo 1, so I wanted to go ahead and pick it up to try out down the road. I also got a copy of Curse Castilia uh, for the Vita in. I got this from Play Asia, and uh, this is a limited edition. I think it was limited to 4,000 copies. I had missed out on the Curse Castilia PlayStation 4 game, and so I went ahead and dove in on the Vita. I love my Vita, and so it was kind of a no-brainer. This is a Ghost and Goblins-type platformer, for those of you who don't know anything about it. And I think that Play Asia probably has some left if you want to jump in on that, but I would do it quick. And then, finally, the last pickup I had was Rescue Terra 1. This is a 2600 game. Uh, I think it's made by Venture Vision. It was the only game, as I recall, that was put out for the 2600. A fairly rare game. I was able to snag it for about half of what it goes for, so for me it was sort of a no-brainer to go ahead and pull the trigger on that and add that to my 2600 collection. I've said before on the show that I think I'm around 550 games on the 2600. I checked it the other day, and I'm actually closer to 600. So with all my variants and everything that I collect... My collection's getting up there, and uh, it's one of my favorite systems to collect for. All right. So tell me, Doug, what you playing? Oh, let's see. What system? Um, <laughs> I, I do my streaming. I, I know you, you guys know about that. I, I like to stream on Twitch now and then. And so I decided I was going to start and actually try to beat games on Twitch. Normally, I just do like, here's this game. Here's what it looks like. Okay, now here's another game. I kind of do like like a demo just to show people what games that they've never seen looks like. And then I've decided, you know what, I'm actually going to start beating games. So I decided to go through and play all the Saturn games I own and then try to beat each one of them, starting out with NBA Jam Tournament Edition. And that Very game cool. is a cheater. Oh, my gosh, it cheats so hard. <laughs> I've, I've got past 10 teams pretty quickly. Now they're just like literally taking the ball out of my hand as I'm in the middle of a dunk. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm I'm so mad at you. But that's what I'm playing right now on my Saturn. I got a Switch, finally. 
And with the Switch, I've been playing uh, Breath of the Wild again. I played it on the Wii U, but I wanted to go ahead and play it through on the Switch, too. And then, of course, like I said earlier, uh, Fallout New Vegas. I, I decided I've never finished that one, so I put that back in once I got the Ultimate Edition for the Xbox One. It's basically the 360 game, but they had the Xbox One logo on it, so it's one of those covers I need to scan for the site. I've got so many covers I need to scan for you guys and uh, on the site, and I've just been so busy. No excuse, man. you got to get on that. I know, right? There's no reason why I haven't scanned everything I own for you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are the, the big ones. I've also uh, been playing um, Pokemon Ultra Sun, just because it's Pokemon. I, I'm still addicted. I, I started out on playing Pokemon Blue, and I think I've played every single iteration of it, at least one version of it. I don't think I played through white or black. I kind of skipped that generation, but I mm-hmm. played um, black too. But yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm heading, that, that I'm going and playing for the most part right now. All right. Moving right along to Sean. Tell me, buddy. Hey, buddy. You there, buddy? I'm here. What you playing? <laughs> much like my scores, my list as of this morning only contained one game, but I actually played and finished a game this morning, so I have two. Oh, nice. So yeah, as I was firing up my Wii with the SNES emulator to play some Super Punch-Out to prepare for this conversation we're about to have. Confrontation. Yeah, no. No, a friendly conversation. I, I remembered about five minutes after the SNES Classic was released that the ROM for Star Fox 2 had been dumped and I had downloaded it and thrown it on my Wii, so... I actually played through Star Fox 2 this morning, which is something that I've been wanting to do since I got that ROM. And uh, I loved it. Really? Okay. Yeah, it was really cool to experience that. And I'm going to tell you that everything that everybody said about the game is kind of true. You can beat it in about a half an hour, maybe 25 minutes. And some of the missions take about 30 seconds to a minute. But... (laughs) You could see where they were trying to go with this game, and it maybe if you'd paid 60 bucks for it back in 1994 or whatever it was, you wouldn't be super happy with your purchase. But for it to just be an add-on on the SNES Classic, a little bonus kind of thing, a little history lesson, a little relic, I thought it was really cool. And uh, I know that the original Star Fox doesn't like hold up visually, but I love that game still to this day. And to get like more of that, it was really awesome. I'm definitely going to go back and play that again, Star Fox 2, I mean, because they introduced kind of branching paths and you can fly around a map and do it in any order you want. And you can mm-hmm. select different characters and you have a wingman talking to you and it can be a different person, a different character throughout the game. So... Very interesting, very good. Everything everybody says about it is true, all of its shortcomings, and it's a product of its time and all that, but I enjoyed it immensely. Hmm. I didn't really know you liked the Star Fox games. I thought we had talked about that before, and you had mentioned that you didn't really care for them that much, the first game. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about someone else, but I wasn't really a big fan of the original on the Super Nintendo years ago, and it's a game that I would really, really like to revisit at some point. So maybe a playthrough of a Star Fox game down the road? What do you think? I mean, 
we could probably play all of them because <laughs> you know most of the <laughs> i mean it's true like i said the one i played this morning was about 25 minutes long i know my favorite being star fox 64 you can beat in 45 minutes to an hour you know okay so yeah we we could probably do a star fox month and play a bunch of different ones yeah at least two right yeah for sure when the Star Fox 64, uh, wasn't the 3DS version pretty much the same exact game with uh, some extra features added? Yeah, that's a really good port of that game. It, it looks beautiful on the 3DS, so could re- recommend that if you can get your hands on it. Good to know. I'll have to be on the lookout for that then. Yeah. Uh, and the other game I played, I have kind of mixed feelings on because it was a game I was looking forward to, and I talked about the first two games in this series which is the Wolfenstein reboot. And I had played Wolfenstein The New Order and Wolfenstein The Old Blood. And The Old Blood was kind of like the spinoff game prequel from the first one. And I liked both of those games a lot. So like many people, I was hyped up for Wolfenstein 2. And I liked it, but it didn't really live up to my expectations. Gameplay-wise, it was kind of dull it seemed like the gameplay was kind of interspersed into these cutscenes, and they put more effort into the writing of the story and the acting and the voice acting and the mocap and all that other stuff. And then when you actually played the game, it wasn't really up to snuff. And the other thing is I have to shout out friend of the show and former guest on the show, Pam, who did a really good review on her YouTube channel about Wolfenstein 2. And she issued a trigger warning, which I would also like to <laughs> send out on the show, is that there is some animal cruelty in this game. And we've talked about this on the air, how I don't like that kind of stuff. And a lot of people don't. And it's uh, it's really over the top in the beginning of the game. And uh, I lent the game to a friend of mine and he said I almost turned it off, you know, so. Oh, wow. So now, um, with the animal cruelty, is it like the mutated animals, or is it like straight up like normal looking animals? I know that like th- like I'm playing Fallout right now, so you get the mutated dogs and stuff like that. Right, right. That's not as big of a deal as whenever it's like you know normal creatures. Is that correct? Is that what you're thinking? Right. So without spoiling anything, I'm I'm not referring to the Nazi dogs who attack you, like the enemies in the game, and in, in this universe. Those enemy dogs are kind of mechanized or like partially robotic. So I guess that makes it easier to shoot them. But there are a couple of YouTubers, uh, Aaron Signal is one and Super Bunny Hop. They both did videos on this and how messed up the tone is in these new Wolfenstein games. And they said it way better than I can. So just go check out their videos. But like this game just... It ended well, but it started off just, I felt sick to my stomach, and throughout the whole game, the tone was very uneven, the gameplay was kind of dull. I don't know, it really left me with the feeling that I'll wait till the third one is in like a $5 bargain bin if I even feel like playing it at all. I don't know, very strange. I was just like put off by the whole thing. Oh, all right. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) having said that, my dear friend, Rich, what have you been playing? Oh, I'm just glad to know I'm a dear friend. That's uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, like you, man, I haven't played a lot since we last recorded. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Punch-Out! lately, obviously, and uh, popped in some Super Punch-Out! today to be able to talk about the game and get that feeling back in my hands from playing Super Punch-Out!, 
so yeah, uh, basically I've only played one game since we last talked and a big part of me playing that game was going home for Thanksgiving. Let me set the scenario up for you. I took my 3DS home with me. I was in a house with my parents, my brother and his family and all the kids and dogs. So my parents live in a house that's about 1200 square feet that was 10 humans and three dogs in the same house. So I spent a lot of my time either sitting in a chair or in the back bedroom with my head in my 3DS playing Cave Story 3D. Have you guys played this game? Uh, Cave Story is one that I've been wanting to get for something. I'm debating between the 3DS version or the Switch version. I would get it for the Switch. I love the 3DS version. That's what I have. It's the only thing I can play it on right now. But the sprite work is so tiny that it's a little hard to not only make out things sometimes, but the jumping mechanics, not the best in this game. It's a little imbalanced. I think Metal Fro was talking about this game on the last podcast, and he mentioned something about the jump mechanic wasn't just right, and I totally agree with that assessment. It's a really great game, though. It's a lot of fun. It's a run-and-gun shooter. It has a little bit of Metroidvania elements to it, and it has a really, really awesome story. So it's one that I would say is definitely worth checking out. It's not the type of run-and-gun where when you get hit one time, you're just going to die and you have to start over. There's a lot of places to save, and you also have uh, hearts for a life bar, and so you can refill those. You can play it on different modes. Of course, I started out on easy just to kind of get a feel for the game because I didn't want it to be brutally hard on my first playthrough. But uh, yeah, it's one that I would highly recommend. has some beautiful bosses and great, fun boss battles. But again, I would suggest you get it on something where you can play it on a bigger screen because as far as all the platforming that you have to do in it, you're going to need that to progress through the game a little bit better. Before we move on, I just wanted to give a shout out to Zofar again on the site for the movie RF Cinema that he's running because he chose a movie that I recommended to him. So I figured I would shout him out and thank him and also let everybody know that the RF Cinema movie for December is a movie called How to Make a Monster, which is something I saw with my wife years ago and it was just so hilariously bad. It's <laughs> it's, it's definitely falls into so bad it's good territory. And uh, my wife and I loved it at the time. So I shot Zofar a PM a, a couple weeks back like, hey, if you want to take a peek at this one, it's, it's pretty, pretty, uh, <laughs> I was going to say pretty good, but it's not good. It's so bad it's good. But um, yeah, so he picked that. So I didn't realize this movie is very like hard to find. It's not streaming anywhere. I couldn't even pirate it when I when I tried. I had to buy a DVD off eBay. So good luck everybody finding it. I'm sorry it's so hard to find, but definitely worth it. And I hope everybody. What was it called kinda, again? It's called How to Make a Monster. And you said you were able to eBay it for like four bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. I got it off okay. eBay. Just search. And there's another like classic monster movie called How to Make a Monster, but you want the one from 2001 with Chloe or Clay Duvall, however you say her name. Yeah, and don't order a My Pet Monster, but if you do, send it my way, because I think (laughs) it's really cool. (laughs) 
right, so as anyone who is a listener of the show knows, December is a very special month at the RF Generation Playcast and playthroughs on the site. What we do every December is we hold some sort of site competition. And in the past, we've done a Streets of Rage competition. We've done shmups. We've done running guns. And we've also done a racing competition. So this is actually our fifth year, right, Sean? That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's weird to think about. <laughs> wow. I can't believe we've been doing the show that long. But anyway, um, this year we decided that we would switch it up a little bit and we would actually do a boxing competition. And what better boxing games to pick than Mike Tyson's Punch-Out or Punch-Out and Super Punch-Out for the Super Nintendo. Punch-Out was created by Nintendo's GM, Genio Takeda, and his partner, Makoto Wada. It was released in the arcade in 1983 as Punch-Out, and it had an arcade sequel called Super Punch-Out, which was released in 1984. Now, again, we're talking about the arcade versions of these games. There was an arcade spinoff called Arm Wrestling, released in 1985. Do any of you guys remember any of these arcade games? I played the first Punch-Out in the arcade, and if it's the arm wrestling one I'm thinking of, actually had like a fake arm. Yes, yeah, it did. Yeah, I, I played that too, <laughs> but I, I don't remember ever seeing the Super Punch-Out. Yeah, same for me. How about you, Sean? Do you remember any of those games? I haven't played them, but I've seen footage of them on YouTube and such. Yeah, they're really difficult. The arm wrestling game was really, really strange. And uh, we had an amusement park in Charlotte called Carowinds. And I remember distinctly that arm wrestling game in the arcade at Carowinds and playing that. And uh, it was a really odd, odd piece of technology. And uh, I definitely played Punch-Out as well. Kind of an odd game, too, compared to the Nintendo version that we're playing for this competition. But still pretty cool and a highly, highly sought-after and collectible arcade game for those collectors out there, as I've been informed by my neighbor. So anyway, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! was actually released in 1987, and Punch-Out!, which was the same game without Mike Tyson, was released in 1990. Nintendo of America's founder and former president, Minoru Arakawa, attended a boxing match, and it featured the future heavyweight champion Mike Tyson. And while watching him fight, Arakawa became so astonished with the athlete's power and skill that he was inspired to use his name and likeness in the upcoming port of Punch-Out to help the game sell. And so this was actually even before Mike Tyson became the heavyweight champion. I kind of know the age range. I know where you're at, Sean. Doug, I'm not sure your age, but do you guys remember Tyson and growing up and watching him box? I watched a few times, but yeah, I, I remember that, but I mostly remember when he got arrested for the allegations. I was like 14 years old at the time. I think it was 94 okay. when that all happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was already you know in trouble, but that's that seems like the time frame. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, growing up when I did, and again, I'm 40, I remember Mike Tyson distinctly. I mean, and it was a huge thing. I mean, this is way before UFC fighting. And he basically helped sell pay-per-view because people would pay-per-view these Mike Tyson fights. And I remember going over to my dad's friend's house one time and going to see him. And I can't remember who he fought, but I think it was Michael Sphinx. And he had paid all this money for this fight and it lasted like 20 seconds. I mean, Tyson had knocked this guy out. It was supposed to be the fight of the century. 
man, Tyson was just a spectacle of a human being and just so ferocious in the ring. It was amazing to watch a Tyson fight, and I have very, very distinct memories of that. But anyway, so Minoru Arakawa saw Tyson, and he wanted to have his likeness in this game. So it's rumored that Tyson was paid $50,000 for a three-year period of his likeness. This was somewhat of a risk for Nintendo, and it occurred before Tyson won the WBC Heavyweight Championship in November of 1986. And, as you know, there was another version of Punch-Out! put out without Tyson in 1990, and the last character on that one is Mr. Dream. That was put out basically after that three-year contract was over with. And luckily, probably for Nintendo, right? Because, as you mentioned before, there were these allegations going around about Tyson around 1990, 1991, and Tyson was actually incarcerated. So, after the contract ended, Mike Tyson was removed from the artwork and replaced by Mr. Dream. So, Punch-Out! was so successful that another company decided, hey, we're going to try to work on a second Punch-Out! And, basically, you're going to play as Mike Tyson. But because of Tyson's incarceration, Nintendo didn't want anything to do with him anymore and didn't want to have anything to do with that game that was in progress. So a company called ASC Games actually put this game together. They changed the name of the boxer from Mike Tyson to Mark Tyler, but they kept the same sprite, so it does look like Tyson. The game was originally supposed to be called Intergalactic Power Punch, and it's basically Tyson's supposed to go to outer space to fight all these aliens because no one on Earth can beat him, right? And so in 1992, ASC Games released Power Punch 2 on the Nintendo. Have any of you ever played that game? Yes. It's (laughs) It's awful. It's awful. (laughs) So... Nintendo did come in with a follow-up to Punch-Out, and the next one in the series that they produced for the home console was on the Super Nintendo, and that was Super Punch-Out, and it was released in 1994. There has been a subsequent release for the Punch-Out series on the Wii, and that was released in 2009. It's not one that we included in our competition this year. I definitely thought about it, but I thought, you know, you're talking about classic Punch-Out games... And having to use that Wiimote, eh, better play it safe and go with Punch-Out and Super Punch-Out. You don't have to use a Wiimote on that. You can set up the classic Punch-Out and use the AB and the Start or the Plus button. Right. I've never used the Wiimote on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't mean motion controls, yeah. but I meant, you know. Oh, I got you. You know, yeah. just the control scheme is what I yeah. was talking about. Okay. So, guys, I want to hear from you both. I know that the Punch-Out series is highly nostalgic for a lot of gamers. So, I definitely want to hear what your personal histories were with this series. And I'm going to start with you, Doug. Well, actually, the very first time I played this game, it was at my future father-in-law, or stepfather, I guess you would say. My mom was dating this guy, and I didn't have a Nintendo at the time. I had my Atari and my Master System. We went over to his house, and his kids were playing his Nintendo, and they was playing Punch-Out in there. And I'm like, what is this? I mean, this doesn't look like a sports game I've seen before. I played it, and I'm like, this is a puzzle game. This isn't a sports game. Okay, I I can get this. I remember playing it for a few hours and just loving it. I didn't actually own a copy of Punch-Out until, oh, it was probably 96, 97, whenever I had my own job and I bought myself a Nintendo for nostalgia reasons. So, yeah, it was a great game. Super Punch-Out, I never really played. I had a copy of it, but I never got into it as much as I did in the original. I don't know why that is. I mean, it's still a fun game. 
kind of like um, Sean was saying, where he's kind of been playing it a little bit here and there to get ready for it coming up. I've done the same thing. I've got it on my Super Nintendo right now just to see exactly <laughs> what I'm up against in the next couple of days. All right. How about you, Sean? What's your personal history with the games? So I have a pretty strong nostalgia for the NES Punch-Out, but I, I'm trying to think back, and I'm pretty sure I never owned this game as a kid. I must have played it at friends' houses, and you don't realize, or maybe you don't remember, but looking back, you can think how I didn't own Punch-Out, but I must have spent hundreds of hours playing it, you know, because you spend whole weekends sleeping over your friends' houses, and all <laughs> yeah. you do is play Nintendo the, the whole time, so... Definitely put countless hours into this game as a kid, despite never owning it. And um, I do have it now. I have Punch Out, and I'm not exactly sure where I got my copy of it that I have in my collection now. So my nostalgia is just pretty typical of this game, much like with Contra or something. I don't, I don't have a like a story behind it, but um, it's very ingrained in my memory, like all the strategies and everything, like they're all just muscle memory. Again, as far as Super Punch-Out, even when I was like, when I was a young teenager into Super Nintendo, it was never on my radar somehow. And playing tons and tons of NES Punch-Out and then trying to go to Super Punch-Out, the rhythm (laughs) of the game is totally different. So it's very jarring. It's a different world. The two games are s- similar in a lot of ways, but very different in some key ways. But I guess we'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, my nostalgia is just like typical for someone of my age. I never owned it as a kid, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Same for me, man. I never really owned it until I started really collecting Nintendo games later on in life. But I did play it when I was around nine or ten years old and played quite a bit of it. I remember my uncle who's my dad's brother. He's 10 years older than me, so we kind of grew up together, so we're very close. I didn't have any siblings for 12 years, so he would come home from college and he would bring Nintendo games for me to try out for like the weekend, you know, until he went back to college. And one of those games was Baseball Stars, if any of you've ever played that SNK oh, game. Awesome. It's incredible. Still my favorite baseball game of all time on any system. And then the other was Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. And I remember him coming, and he brought it to me, and he knew I was a big gamer. He's like, yeah, you got to play this. you got to try it out. So I popped it in. I played it that weekend, and I remember making it to Mr. Sandman, like, in one weekend. And he came back Sunday before I went back to school to come and get the game. And he's like, oh, how'd you do? Did you, you know, beat a few fighters? I'm like, oh, I made it to this guy named Mr. Sandman. And I remember his mouth just dropping. And he's like, <laughs> nobody at school can get past Soda Popinski. <laughs> and so that, that was that was kind of awesome. I mean, that made me feel really cool, you know, that all these college kids were playing this game. You know, these kids that grew up in the 70s that grew up in the arcades. And here I was, just this little, you know, gamer that, you know, was just plugging away uh, at this game for a weekend. And when I say I played it for a weekend, I mean, I did not leave the TV. I stayed up late at night playing this game. It wasn't just a few hours one day and another day. I mean, I was obsessed. I got totally sucked into this game, and I still love it to this day. I remember the first time I beat Tyson. I remember where I was, 1990, the summer between my 7th and 8th grade years. I remember the three guys I was with, and uh, I remember the house I was at, and finally beating Tyson, and us jumping around and screaming, and, you know, they had never seen anyone beat Tyson before, and I obviously had never beaten him before, and, uh, man, um, you know, some people know 
where they were at when JFK was assassinated. I knew where I was at when I beat Mike Tyson's punch out. <laughs> I knew that's apples and oranges, but that's a big event in a kid's life. You know, this game is uh, a classic and uh, man, it really hits all my nostalgia buttons. But I want to um, move on to Twitter, and I went on there and I asked two questions. I'm going to go ahead and read the answers to both of these. One of the questions we're going to tackle later on in the episode, so I don't want you guys answering it. But the first question is, what are your earliest and best memories of Punch-Out? And what was the best game you played in 2017? And I footnoted it and I said, does not have to be a 2017 release title. So Will Watts at Watts WC said, My uncle gave me his NES and all his games after my mom traded mine in to get the Sega Genesis. I'll never forget trading in my NES and two dozen games for Genesis and one game. This was one he gave me, and I could never beat the second piston Honda. Still a favorite, though. Adam Bickley at Bickman2K says, I never had it as a kid, but my neighbors across the street did. I could get to Bald Bull... But the bull rush was too much for me. Then they had the code, and Tyson destroyed. I was finally able to beat Mr. Dream last year with a lot of practice. Best game of this year? That is a very difficult decision between Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. Both are extremely strong games in their series. Breath of the Wild is my first taste of an open world game. Odyssey was Mario 64 on a much larger scale. Not sure I can choose, exclamation point. And I gotta say, I think Adam's in the lead right now. I have not changed the standings. I was in first place because I beat Punch-Out all the way. But man, Adam is putting some killer times on these boxers. Have you seen this on the thread? Yeah, I was looking at that. Um, And then I decided to watch some speedrunners. And he's almost getting the same times as the speedrunners get. I'm like, he's got to be like looking at these hints on how to beat these boxers. It's crazy, man. I think he's got like Don Flamenco down in like 15 seconds yeah. or something. I was like, I was in first place and I'm sure like he's posted this weekend because he sent me a text and he showed that he had beat Macho Man and that was going to give him enough points to climb over where I was because I've beaten all the uh, the circuits and actually Tyson as well. So that's what got me in the lead. But man, his fastest times are what's plugged him in the lead now. I'm going to have to up my game, guys, if I'm going to win this one. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Uh, Duke Togo at Collector Cast says, Staying up almost all night with my buddy to beat Tyson. We had it rented for the weekend, so no time to waste. Best game? Do you need to ask? Yeah, uh, you don't need to ask. It's definitely Shadow of the Colossus. So thanks, Duke, for that response there on Twitter. Michael Rancourt at Michael Court Ran. That's Engineer Mike on RF Generation. He says, Earliest punch-out memory... My childhood bestie brought it over to my place for a sleepover in the spring of 88 or 89. We didn't make it very far, but we both stayed up late trying. Favorite game of 2017 was a tie between Breath of the Wild and Persona 5. All right, so we got a vote for Persona 5 there, Sean. Yeah, pretty cool. Michael Wimpe at Wimpy Animations. This is Wimpster on RF Generation. Didn't play much Punch-Out until much later in life. First post-Atari console was SNES. But it's always a blast. Best game played is clearly Breath of the Wild. And then, finally, Buried on Mars at Buried underscore on underscore Mars. This is our buddy Kevin from the Cartridge Club. Watching other people play it in the commercials. I didn't get my own copy until 2011. 
Best game I played this year is a toss-up between Horizon Zero Dawn and Sequest on the Atari 2600. Awesome answer, Kevin. Appreciate it. Is that a good one? Sequest? Yeah. For the Atari 2600, it's a really, really fun game. It's a little submarine shooter, and, uh, you know, things are coming at you horizontally under the water. And what makes the game kind of special is you have an air tank, so you have to go to the top of the water to fill that up as you're shooting and things are coming at you. So not only can you get hit by stuff, but if you don't get to the top of the water in time, you die. And so, and there's something like floating across the top of the water too that kind of uh, speeds up as you clear different boards and prevents you from getting to the top. It can kind of block your ascent up there. So yeah, it's a really, really fun game. Sounds familiar. I probably played it, but I don't remember it offhand. I'm sure you've got it laying around on some emulator somewhere, so you can probably pop that in at some time. <laughs> <That's> true, very true. <laughs> but I want to say I'm really happy with the response we got to these questions. Thank everyone so much for participating and letting us know your earliest and best memories of Punch-Out! and what your favorite game was in 2017. All right, so let's get into the story and the characters in the game. What? <laughs> <laughs> the story. <laughs> hey, oh, man. that's the point, right? I mean, there's not really a story to this game. You're a boxer. Your name's Little Mac. Uh, you have a trainer whose name's Doc. And basically, you're fighting to win the world championship title. There's not really a story involved, per se, in the game, but it's almost like a story that kind of creates itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, like I imagine little Mac is trying to like raise money for his mother to get a kidney transplant or something. (laughs) (laughs) You guys don't do that? Make up your own story? (laughs) I just pictured little Mac as uh, Rocky. (laughs) It's a younger Rocky training. Well, that's a good point. I mean, I think that's kind of the nostalgia we get from that. The Rocky movies were extremely successful. And if you think about it, Rocky Four probably came out around the same time. I want to say Rocky Four, uh, 1985. As you remember, Rocky Four is the one where Rocky fights Ivan Drago, the Russian. My uncle, who I was telling you was 10 years older than me, took me to that movie. It's the only movie that I've ever been to where at the end, everyone stood up and clapped. I just remember that like vividly. It was a crazy time during the Cold War. And uh, I think that the inspiration of Rocky probably help this game succeed a little more because it's a boxing game, guys. It's a sports game. So one of the things that makes this game cool, besides Little Mac and Doc, you've got Mario as the referee, who's a dirty cheater when you're fighting Don Flamenco. (laughs) (laughs) Those who know know what I'm talking about. And then you've got this kind of huge cast of characters, too. And I think it's fair to say that most of these characters are kind of walking stereotypes, right? Um, You know, (laughs) uh, I don't know if you could get away with making this game today with some of the depictions of some of the characters. Although, you know, there was a punch out on the Wii, so that wasn't very long ago. But uh, yeah, great cast of characters. And in my opinion, they don't have a lot of personality. They don't talk or anything like that, except in between rounds. But there's something about these characters that I can't really put my finger on that makes them very interesting and kind of lush characters. I think it has to do with the design. Because if you think about like other sports games and boxing games at the time, they all look just like other humans, slightly different shades of color and skin. 
and that was about it. And then here you come into this, and you have like these larger-than-life cartoon characters almost for each boxer, and, and it makes them more interesting to you know see their animations when you hit them or when they fall over. Sometimes you'd want to knock them over to the left instead of the right just to see if they fell differently. Or knock them out by punching them in the stomach, right? right? Exactly. Because they would do something different, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think you hit a good point right there. I definitely think these characters are just so diverse. It's not only in how they look, because as you mentioned before, boxing games that we had encountered up until this point, like Ring King, I mean... It was just a different color palette sprite, right? I mean, everyone looked the same, except for, you know, different color trunks and gloves and and skin a lot of the times. And so this is sort of what we were used to. But the other thing that Punch-Out does, and I think it's really neat, is scale. Some of the opponents that you fight are enormous. I remember the first time that I fought Bald Bull, I was like, whoa, look how big this sprite is. And, you know, how small your sprite is. Now, we've mentioned the arcade before. And in the arcade version of Punch-Out, you're the same size as your opponent, basically, but your character is sort of like a grid of green lines that you can see through so that you can see the other boxer. Well, in the Nintendo version, they scaled down the size of the character sprite and made him a smaller character so that you could basically see your opponent. And I thought that was a really awesome decision. I don't know about you guys. It was a nice touch because I think that if they would have made them the same size and done the grid on the Nintendo, it would have just blocked too much of the visuals and it would not have been as interesting. And then the same token, if they would have changed it around to make it more of the one fighter on the left, one fighter on the right type boxing, kind of like the Buster Douglas on the um, Master System. Oh, I don't even mention that game. (laughs) (laughs) Why was that? I just think money. Yeah, I think that their choice of shrinking him down also kind of said, oh, look, look at the little guy standing up to the man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, making him smaller as well creates that juxtaposition between you being this small guy that's entering the boxing arena to get your mom a new kidney. (laughs) (laughs) And it kind of makes you like superhuman to be the small guy and defeat these guys that are so much bigger and so much stronger than you because when these guys hit you they take off a lot more than what your fists do right especially Tyson with that one hit punch later on in the game but yeah I think it creates a little more drama in the game as far as being smaller it kind of adds to I don't want to say the story, but kind of lack thereof of the story of you being the small-time contender who's going for the world championship and heavyweight title. And so I think what I'm trying to say is, although Punch-Out really doesn't have a story, it kind of allows you to apply whatever you want to the story, you know, whether it be getting your mom a kidney or, or whatever it is. And so I think that's pretty neat. We mentioned the different variety of characters. I want to hear from you guys. What's your favorite character in the first Punch-Out game? I really like Soda Popinski, which uh, most people know was known as Vodka Drunkinski in the original game. (laughs) Uh, But they changed it to Soda Popinski to make it a little more family-friendly for the NES. uh, That's right. I like the sound that they use for his little barking laugh when he's laughing at you. Oh, man, that's that's like controller chucking infuriatingly. (laughs) Like, that's so rage-inducing. It's so effective and amazing. But, yeah, I like him a lot. I like uh, the Great Tiger. And, you know, a lot of these characters, like we were saying, they're all so colorful. But I think... 
I don't know, soda pop kind of, again, for nostalgic purposes. I mean, when I was a kid, that was the furthest I could get a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, that that was as far as I could go. So when I got to him, I thought I was doing good kind of thing. Yeah, he has a different pace. There's something about him that makes him tough as far as dodging his punches. It's like they kind of mess with the pacing a little bit. When you're fighting the other characters, you know, they kind of had this timing where you look for these little cues and they throw their punch, you dodge, and you can counter punch. Yeah. I think Soda Popinski's a little off yeah, in that, and so he catches you. Sandman is the same way, I think. Yes. Oh, man. Sandman's just so, like, twitchy. Yeah. You know? Really oh, off. man. He just makes you nervous, and you dodge too early, and then you get pounded. Oh, yeah. Did that several <laughs> times last week. <laughs> Being um, stuck on Soda Pop right now, uh, I also feel that rage. <laughs> <laughs> I know that, like, everyone's like, oh, you have to do this. I'm like, yeah, I get that. I mean, I can get down and block his uppercuts and hit him in the stomach, knock him down once. But I get the star, and I cannot use it. Every time I go to use it, he hits me. I'm down. I'm like, come on. But I think I have to go with the Great Tiger. I, I like his uh, sprite, his animation, and his uh, characteristics. And when he talks between the fights, it's kind of funny. I think the uh, the sound effects in the Great Tiger fight are awesome, too. Like the sound he makes when he disappears and starts flying around the ring. And also... <laughs> yeah, and then... <laughs> You know, when he is stunned after doing that, where he's like, yeah. wah, wah, wah. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the, the sound effects in this game in general are top. Like, everything about this game is top notch, but I love the sound effects in that fight particularly. And I love how each boxer has their own, like, little intro tune. I think it's so cool, too. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of love put into this game. For a sports title, and especially on a system like the NES, I mean, yeah, the music in this game, the sounds are just incredible, and boy, so nostalgic. As far as my favorite characters, the character I love and hate the most has to be Super Macho Man. Dude just cracks me up, man. My kids are up here watching me play it. I was talking just a minute ago about the intro music for the boxers and they all do some like little thing. Glass Joe like raises his fist up in the air during his little intro music. But Macho Man, he just stands there and his pecs just like flop up and down to the music. It's so great. And my kids are just rolling in the floor laughing. <laughs> and um, I love his vanity. I love the fact that he's just so vain. He poses, you know, on you and flexes when he knocks you down. And his swings are just so wild. And then when you finally hit him, his facial animations are just like, oh, my God, you messed up my face. It's so great. It's so perfect. And uh, there's just so many of those little touches in the game that are so great. Like King Hippo's pants falling down. And, you know, you see in his underwear, you know, as you punch him in the stomach. Each character in the game, I feel like, is special and kind of stands on its own. Now, how about Super Punch-Out? Do you have any favorite characters in the Super Punch-Out series? Yeah, I haven't got past the uh, the minor yet. I've just kind of like been messing with it, and I'm like, okay, this one I've got to get the controls down and understand. I had to figure out if I want to leave the buttons the way they are or change them up, because they kind of sometimes don't feel intuitive to where I want to punch. Mm-hmm. Because I still want to go to the center of the controller to, to do the uppercut. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Absolutely. So, but yeah, I, I have not got very far in it to uh, have a favorite. I do like the Gabby one at the beginning, the very first fighter. It's Gabby just, J. It, yeah, it's just funny that they say he's got 99 fights and one win, and the one win was against Glass Joe. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
How about you, Sean? Any favorites from Super Punch-Out? Uh, yeah, I haven't gotten that far in the game. I'm actually playing, like I said, on an emulator on my Wii. So the lag is so bad that I actually pressed like for a right uppercut like seven hours ago this morning, and the game still hasn't <laughs> done it. So, <laughs> the- Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. But like I said, when I was playing it this morning, the rhythm is totally different from NES Punch-Out. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. had a hard time with Gabby J in the beginning. I made it to Bear Hugger, but it was just like, look, if I want to put time into this game, I'm going to have to switch gears. And I'm really not done with NES Punch-Out yet. And so I'll go back to it for when we get to it in the competition. But I didn't want to go too deep into it. I will say the thing that impressed me about the game is that the presentation is like textbook SNES presentation, like the menus, the fonts, the way the music plays, like, (laughs) oh, this is exactly what you would imagine a punch out game on the Super Nintendo would look like, sound like, feel like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, And I think you're definitely on to something before the call. I was playing some Super Punch-Out, and there is a different feel in Super Punch-Out than there is in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out or, you know, regular Punch-Out for the NES. And I think there's two things. I think Super Punch-Out is a little bit slower game. I don't really know how that's possible, but it feels heavier for some reason, and I don't know why that is. It just doesn't feel as quick as the original game. And there's something about it, too, where Mike Tyson's Punch-Out or Punch-Out is a game where there's a lot of counter-punching. In Super Punch-Out, you're more on the offensive than on the defensive. I know what you're talking about. I think I know why. Uh, Because you move around the ring. I think the fact that with Punch-Out, you're staying in one place. What do you do? You dodge left, you dodge right, you duck down, or you block down. And then on Super Punch-Out, you can move back and forth between the ring and then decide when you're going to punch them. I think that kind of feels like it slows it down a little bit. And the characters, they don't move as quickly, I think. You have more animation to show it off, but that also slows down the game. Yeah, you have a little bit more time to react, too, I feel like, in Super Punch-Out than you do in the first Punch-Out. Especially as you get toward the tougher characters, you know, I think Soda Popinski on, the game starts to quicken in pace. And I think, you know, with Super Punch-Out, pace sort of stays kind of the same and, you know, a bit of a slower pace that... It's kind of odd getting used to, and I definitely noticed that going from one game to the next tonight as I was getting a few more rounds in before the call. Uh, we talked about the gameplay. The gameplay in both games is very similar. There's left punch, there's right punch, there's dodge, there's block. In the NES game, you've got what's called a star punch, and I think this was kind of an interesting addition to an NES game at the time. I don't think I'd ever pressed the start button or use that sort of like a third button on the controller before for any other game other than to maybe just pause the game, right? Yeah, that or menus. I can't think of any other reason. Yeah. And so that was kind of a cool addition. And as I mentioned, you do have the star punch in the NES game, but in the Super Nintendo game, you don't have the star punch, but you have a meter. And once that meter fills up, you can throw unlimited power punches until you get hit. In both games, you have a health meter. Once you lose that health meter, you get knocked down. You have a fatigue meter in the original Punch-Out. And what that is, is it's a meter where you see like kind of a heart over in the corner. And if they block so many of your punches, then your character turns kind of a pinkish color. And you can't punch at all because you're too tired. So you just have to dodge during that time until 
you get some stamina back. Also, in Punch-Out, you have knockouts and you have technical knockouts. A knockout's when you knock an opponent down and they can't get back up within the 10 count. A technical knockout, or TKO, is where you knock an opponent down three times during one round and you can earn your victory that way. In Super Punch-Out, there's no rounds. Now, I think I've seen some speed runs where people have KO'd some of the other boxers and kept them down before the count, but... Mostly in Super Punch-Out, wins are through the technical knockout or knocking them down three times. In the first Punch-Out, you've got three rounds of three minutes each. And then in Super Punch-Out, you've basically got three minutes as well to knock out your yeah, opponent. Yeah, three-minute count. I was able to um, get a KO on Gabby and on um, the next boxer, the... Um, bear Hugger? Bear Hugger, yeah. What it was is that I got my um, my S power up and... I mm-hmm. hit him in the right position where he was kind of like wobbling around. And then I yep. did a, like a power punch into his stomach and it got a KO on the uh, second knockdown. And same thing with Bear Hugger. Right. And what that's called is dizzy. That's something that was added to Super Punch Out. Basically, what that is, is if you hit them so many times consecutively and you're just kind of wearing them out without them blocking, they get dizzy, which means that they kind of just float around the screen. And then, as you said, you used a power punch and it really just knocks them right to the ground. And so that's something that they've kind of substituted other than, you know, kind of the stun and the star punch that was in the first game. So I really am glad that you brought that up. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the little trick between rounds. And I don't know if you guys know about this or not. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't want to tell us about it, Sean? Sure. I mean, you might know some more technical details than I do, but if you're in between rounds and your health is less than 100%, you can kind of mash on the select button and you'll see Doc's hand. And when we were kids, we used to say like he's massaging your shoulders and you can make him go faster. Like, I don't know what it's actually (laughs) supposed to be, but you see his hand move faster. And then uh, if you do it the right amount, you don't want to do it too much because it can actually take health away from you if you like abuse it, I guess. But um, it'll give you more health when you start the round. Sometimes your health will just go way up. Sometimes it only goes up a little. I guarantee people know exactly how this works on the internet. But I just know, like, just press select a bunch of times before you go back into the round. And you can only do it during one of the breaks. So if you make it to round three and you did it between round one and two, you can't do it between two and three. So you have to be conservative. I mean, if your health is pretty decent going into round two, you might want to save it for when you're going into round three because you'll need it more. Absolutely. So what you can do also, and my trick, I do it differently than you do. So this is interesting. I've never heard of someone actually hitting select repeatedly. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. What I do is... When the in-between round comes on, I hold down select. Uh-huh. And then I hold it down until I hear the bell in the next round. And it goes ding, and I let it go, and that's when it starts to fill up. Now, you're right, though. Sometimes it doesn't fill up as much as it does other times. Sometimes I can fill it all the way up, and I think it has something to do with the timing there. But I've never had it take any energy away from me. I did not know that. That's very interesting. You know what? I'm going to walk that back a little bit. I don't know because I haven't had it happen to me now as I'm playing, but I do remember that as a kid. 
But okay. now that I'm thinking, it might be one of those weird kid memories that isn't quite right. <laughs> like, you, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, I'm almost that, that was the night you got anal probed by the aliens that took you away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I suppressed those memories with a lot of punch out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was a false memory they added so you wouldn't remember. Right. Yeah. If someone says the word bald bull around you, it just clears everything right up. All right. So I do want to get some final thoughts on these Punch-Out games. And my big question was, Punch-Out is essentially a sports title. What makes it work and so beloved among gamers? And Sean, I want to start with you on this. Sure. So my theory on this, and we've kind of messaged about it, and Doug even said it before, that this game is probably least of all a sports game. What it really is, it's a puzzle rhythm game. And I also think it's a one-on-one fighter, and it's almost a first-person fighter because of what we talked about with the sprite being so small, and you're facing the enemy sprites head-on. But I really feel like the game is a rhythm game. I mean, think about it this way. When you're playing you can't deny that there's a rhythm to it. If I said, dodge, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, dodge, left, right, left, right. I mean, you get what I'm saying? That's going through your head as you're playing the game. And as we discussed, the most challenging fighters are the ones that throw you off that rhythm, like uh, Soda Pop and Sandman. So like I said, this game is like least of all a sports game. And it's a, a mixture of these other elements of games like decoding the puzzle of what the enemy is and their weaknesses and the weird stuff like Sandman hit him in the face then you have to hit him in the stomach and of course we all know like King Hippo there's only one way to beat him (laughs) and he never gets up once you knock him down but as far as my like final thoughts on Punch-Out I was just thinking about this and as I was playing it this game man I mean can you think of anything that you would want to like improve or change on this game I've thought about it really hard. I I mean, this game is like damn near perfect, even 30 some odd years after its release. And I'm talking specifically about the NES version, not knowing too much about the arcade or the even playing a tiny little bit of the SNES version. But wait, wait a minute. Did you say this game was perfect? I said it was near perfect. perfect? (laughs) Are you talking about a retro game? Yeah, no, this. Did someone say bald bull around him? (laughs) This is the anal probe thing again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what could you conceive of to improve in this game? I can only think of one thing, and that's... Add more boxers? That's it. (laughs) Yeah, they do do just kind of repeat some of them. And to be honest, like Macho Man is kind of a palette swap on Soda Pop, and there's a couple other that are just kind of palette swaps, but that's really a minor complaint. My only like real complaint is that the amount of fighting you have to do between the second password and the third password is really cavernous, and I wish there was another password in between that. However, it is what it is. That's not a flaw in the gameplay. It's not a flaw in the mechanics. I mean, this game is very close to perfect for me. The music, the presentation, the sprite art is amazing. The fanfare of the sound effects and the ring and the crowd and the like voice effects, the way they made it sound like like uh, when Don Flamenco, he's saying, come on, come on, come on, you know, and it doesn't sound like that. It's like, but to me, he's saying, come on, come on, <laughs> yeah. come on. You know what I mean? You exactly. fill in those yeah, gaps yeah. in your brain and uh, it's just amazing. It's an amazing game. 
Yeah, I love like in between rounds the talking. Yeah, so great. I'm pretty sure that's where they got the Animal Crossing talking from. All right, so how about you, Doug? Oh, I mean, the whole game is is an incredible game. I agree with him. Like the presentation um, when you're playing it. Like, I, I do wish it was passwords after every fight. <laughs> so that way, you know, it's like, oh, crap. Yeah. I got to go back through and fight those three guys again just to finish this one. Um, but all in all, I, I really enjoyed coming back to Tyson. It's definitely a puzzle game and a rhythm game, all mixed up in one. That's why you cannot play it on emulator. That just ruins it. I, I even tried to um, play it on the uh, Nintendo Classic. And uh, <laughs> even though the Nintendo Classic only has like a, I think they, they figured it was like 1.5 frames a second loss. It was still just enough that you couldn't do it. You would miss the rhythm. You would miss a hit because you're used to hitting the buttons at the right exact time uh, with the animation or with the sound. That's more of a question to you guys. When you're playing the game and you know like something's going to happen at a certain time, do you watch the time? Do you listen for the music or do you watch the boxer? That's a great question. I just want to clarify as well, because I did while I was playing Super Punch-Out on an emulator, I did play NES Punch-Out on an NES through a CRT TV, so I think I'm having the most authentic experience you can have. But the cues really depends on the, the fight, you know what I mean? Like, I noticed when I was doing Sandman, when he does those three uppercuts in a row, that his sprite actually flashes. There's like yep. one frame where his sprite flashes silver. And also, wasn't there something that was discovered recently about one of the crowd yes. members? You'd sound like you can elaborate on that, Rich. I don't really remember the details there. I wish I could, and I wish I'd have looked that up. I was just thinking about that when we were talking about the game. But I love how all the boxers have these like cues. Great Tigers with the jewel in his turban blinks before he gets ready to punch, and there's other cues in the game. But I think, and I'm probably completely wrong about this, but I am saying on the show, so it's fact. I think <laughs> there is, <laughs> I think there is, there's a little head in the crowd. There's a certain one that blinks or moves, and I think that is a way to cue on Tyson's power punches. And I'm not sure about that. But there is something that was just found like less than a year ago, right, Sean? Yeah, it's, on the game, seems like, like a little really tail. Yeah, being I'm on the internet, I looked it up. <laughs> okay, awesome. So it's actually during the second Honda fight, the one that we're getting graded on. <laughs> There's a visual cue among the spectators in the second Piston Honda fight, which tells the player when to throw a punch that knocks Honda out with one blow. Yeah, and that's when he steps back and he comes forward. He's a little yep. bearded guy. In the um, first row, and you look underneath the uh, first rope, and uh -huh. he will like open his mouth. Yeah, it says that just watch the bearded guy in the front row, and he will kind of like either like take a picture or uh, open his mouth or something. Is what it happens. Yeah, he opens his mouth. That's what it looks like. It's supposed to be a camera flash, but it's, it's him opening his mouth. <laughs> Very cool. So this tale was found less than a year ago. And it's cool that a game that's so beloved and so many people have played, no one's seen this. I, I like I remembered hearing about that, but I couldn't remember what boxer. I was watching the bearded guy like do all of my different fights. And I'm like, okay, none of these cues help. <laughs> He's not moving. He's not doing anything. So, Rich, what is your final takeaway on these games? Do you feel the the kind of blending of genres that that Doug and I are keying in on, or? 
Oh, absolutely. I think there's something very special about the Punch-Out! series, and especially Punch-Out! and Super Punch-Out!, which are titles that I love so much. I definitely think you guys are right. I think these are more sort of a beat-em-up or a rhythm game as opposed to, you know, just a sports title where you're just mashing buttons to throw a ball or to, you know, make some sort of play in a game. It has so much personality. You're able to control this character, you know. What's neat is, like, one button is the left hand and one button is the right hand. And so it makes you feel like you are that character. The game has so much charm and personality, and we we mentioned the stereotypes in the game, but don't we all love all these characters in these games? And as we're playing it, we don't think of these characters being stereotypes. They're very endearing characters to us, and I think even through time, and you know, for the reason that they're even including a lot of these characters on the Wii Punch-Out! And let's face it, guys, Contra Code, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, start. I mean, how many people know the punch-out code? I think I saw it one time on the back of a car going down the road. 007-373-5963. As a kid, I know that better than I know my social security number. I'm not giving that out, by the way. But (laughs) it's just a series that I love so much. And I know there have been several attempts to bring it back. I really wasn't a fan of the Wii version. There's just something that was just completely off with it. I think the original game's better than the Super Nintendo game because the simplicity of it is what makes it so great. And Sean and I were talking the other day. I mean, there's things I don't even know about this game. If you press down twice, instead of doing like a block, you do like a side duck. I didn't even know you could do that in the game. And I I actually did it tonight, Sean, because you you had mentioned it to me. And I was like, wow, I've never played the game like that or did that move. Instead of fully dodging, this might be a way for me to improve my times and just like ducking over real quick and then punching, and it works. It's really cool. Have you seen the like the the half dodge that you can do too, like to the left or the right? So if you do like a if you do left and then up really quickly, he'll kind of go to the left and then stand right back up, and you can hit quicker that way too. Yeah, you can like kind of come back. Yeah, you'll, you'll stand yeah. up quicker than just waiting for the full animation to go back. Yeah, I actually do that one. That one I just kind of figured out messing around with. I'm like, holy crap, how'd that happen? <laughs> and I can't do it consistently. That's what pisses me off. I'm like, I want to do it now. Nope, never mind. Guess I'll try it next time. Yeah, so, I mean, for a game that essentially is a controller with two buttons, and then, you know, they've implemented the start button to throw a super punch, you know, it has a lot going on for it. And uh, it's really cool that, you know, even today that I'm playing this game, I'm learning things about it. And uh, that's what kind of makes it a true classic. As I've mentioned in past December episodes, this is my favorite episode of the year. This is where we get to talk about 
what our five favorite games were for 2017. And oftentimes there's a lot of surprises about what our top picks were. And a lot of times we're always trying to guess who everyone's number one pick is. And I want to do that again this year. So in like years past, what we're going to do is we're going to go with this snake format where someone will go, the next person will go, and then the person on the end will go twice and it'll go the opposite way. So I've drawn names. I'm going first this year, which I believe is the first time for me. Doug, you're going to go second. Sean will go third. Sean will make his next pick and then Doug will go and then I will go and make two picks. And we've done this similarly in the past. Are we doing the number five pick first going to number one? Yes. Absolutely. Starting with number five, and then we're going to number one. So let me go ahead and rattle off the games that we actually played in 2017. It was a great list. I think it's an impressive list. And I just got to say, I had a great time in 2017 playing these games. How about you, Sean? Absolutely. A lot of hits and only a few misses, in my opinion. So January, we started off with Secret of Mana. February, we played Murdered Soul Suspect. March, we played the original Diablo. April, we played Child of Light. May, Siberia. June, Enslaved Odyssey to the West. July, Shining Force 2. In August, we played Journey with the Cartridge Club. That was a really cool event, and glad we got to do that with those guys. In September, we played The Last Guardian. In October, Until Dawn. November was Final Fantasy Adventure, and of course, this December for the competition, we played Punch-Out! and Super Punch-Out! I mentioned that I was going to go first, and before I get started with my number five pick, I just want to say that this year was really special to me because this is the first year I beat every playthrough game, and so I'm really proud of myself for that. Alright, my number five pick is actually a game that I had never beaten before, and I had played when I was in college. And that game was Diablo. I had a very awesome time playing through that game this year, learning different techniques and learning that I can't just go from floor to floor without taking out everything and beat the game. So it was a really cool learning experience for me and uh, a game that I have a lot of nostalgia for. Again, one of those types of games, I know exactly where I was the first time I ever played it. I remember who my roommate was in college who had this game on his PC. And so it was really cool to come back to this game years later and actually play it on my laptop and uh, beat it for the first time. I mentioned I picked up Diablo 2 the other day, and uh, I think it's something that I'm going to play through in my own time. So that is my number five pick. Doug, you're next. Number five. Okay, my number five, I'm going to have to go with Child of Light. I mean, I went into it, I knew it was going to be a decent game. I didn't know I would actually enjoy it as much as I did. When it came out, they had a sale on it, and I picked it up, and I never really played it, and I had it on my Wii U. It was just a, a different experience than I was expecting, I guess is the best way I can put it. I think that's definitely going to be my uh, my fifth pick there. I don't want to ramble too much. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it might show up on a few other lists in this pick. That's just my guess. Sean, number five, what you got? So my number five is The Secret of Mana because this is a game I've been wanting to play forever and it was a big, kind of a big score for me a couple of years ago when I was really collecting hard on Super Nintendo games and getting all these heavy hitter titles into my collection. And it's a game that I've always wanted to play. 
and playing it, even though there was a little bit of frustration with the playthrough and you can go back and listen to that episode. I, I wasn't like super high on the game at the time, but looking back on my experience with it, even though I did use Game Genie cheats, I played the game on an actual Super Nintendo through a tube TV. So I had nostalgia for the feeling of crouching in front of a tube TV two inches away from my face playing this game, <laughs> you know, late at night or early in the morning. So yeah. The experience was very nostalgic, even if the game itself wasn't. And I ended up, you know, enjoying the game. And I, I look back on it all the way back in January. I look back on it pretty fondly now. You know how many people are probably really, really angry right now that you put this as number five? <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, uh, that okay. game is so beloved. Well, but no, no, I totally to respect your being pick. on the list. But then I thought about the, you know, it's it's the only game I played on that classic setup that I have on the CRT this year. So it deserves some kind of mention for that. Besides Punch Out, but I think that's that's different. All right, awesome, great pick. How about number four, Sean? So moving on to my number four, I went with Journey. I realized by playing this game a second time and definitely encourage people if they haven't heard it to go listen to that Cartridge Club episode or we hosted a version of it too. Same thing. You could see it on their site or ours. It was just a really cool experience to play that game again and get like something totally different out of it than the first time I played it. And I think, you know, it's a beautiful experience. And uh, again, I encourage everybody to listen to that episode if they didn't hear it yet. So... That's my number four. Very cool. How about you, Doug? Number four. Number four. I think I'm going to have to go with Enslaved. Again, that was a, a surprise hit. I didn't think I was going to like it. I played it like when I first bought it. And I'm like, okay, this is an okay game. It's just, uh, eh. And then I went, when we picked it as a uh, playthrough, I'm like, okay, I got to put more time into it. Because that's <laughs> kind of a rule. <laughs> so, um. I sit down and I played it and just really enjoyed the storyline of it and the flow. And um, I mean, you kind of knew what was going to happen, but the gameplay was fun once you got into it and uh, the just the mechanics of it. Uh, it was a really great game. Awesome. And let me just say that Doug saying that that's the rule that you had to play through the whole game. That's a self-imposed rule on his part because you don't have to finish the game if you play the playthrough. You can just play as much of it as you want. But uh, I'm like you, man. I love to finish these games. There's nothing more satisfying than getting to finish them. So, uh, yeah, great pick, man. I really enjoyed that game this year as well. All right, for my number four pick, I'm going with a game that I had anticipated playing for a long, long, long time. And so you guys have probably already guessed that my number four pick is The Last Guardian. As everyone who listens to this show knows, Shadow of the Colossus is by far my favorite game of all time, and Last Guardian holds its own in those Team Eco games. Really, really love this game. Lush, beautiful. First game I played on my PS4, and such a beautiful, beautiful, not only game, but experience. So that's my number four pick. Did you see they're remaking that to VR? Are yes, they really? Guardian's going to wow. be a VR first-person game. Oh, well, I have to get VR first, but uh, yeah, that might be a kind of uh, crazy experience. That dog dragon is uh, tough to control as it is. I can't imagine trying to do that in VR. Right. But uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, 
my number three pick. I'm going to go ahead and put this out here, guys. I swapped my number three and number two picks right before the call started. We come up with our lists in different ways. We have different criteria. There's no set criteria saying this is the best five games on this list. I don't believe in doing that. My list is kind of composed of my experience and which ones that I enjoyed playing the most or which gave me the biggest sense of gratification. And so that's how I chose the games that are on my list. And you guys, I'm sure, have different criteria. But number three on my list is actually Shining Force 2. Shining Force 1 was a game that was number one on my list a few years ago. I think it was 2015. And I was looking forward to playing Shining Force 2. I was so pumped about it. And I even mentioned on the call for Shining Force 2 that I didn't enjoy it as much as I did Shining Force 1. Still a fantastic game. Still one of the best RPGs ever made. But it's going to fall for me at number three on my list. Cool. All right, Doug. What you got? I got Diablo. Cool. Diablo is one that I was debating on. I enjoyed playing it, um, but I actually was debating between Diablo and uh, another game, and I decided I was going to go with Diablo because it's one of those games that when you sit down and you actually play through it, it's a very interesting game how they have all the mechanics set up, and it's really interesting. I played Diablo 3 after I played Diablo 1, so I just kind of skipped 2 because I didn't have it on PC. And um, 3 is just a standard hack and slash. It doesn't have the same feel as 1 at any shape or form. And I know I'm going to get slack for that. But after playing the first one and how well they they had everything set up and the monsters and the battling and, you know, leveling up your character, getting the equipment you need, it felt more thought out than the third one after I played that. So I know it's kind of a a weird comparison because we didn't do anything with the third one this year. I just wanted to throw that out there and see what you guys thought about that. Oh, yeah. It definitely has these like modern trappings. It's a loot game. You're running around hacking and slashing and getting loot and upgrading. There is a different kind of depth to the original game. Absolutely. All right. I guess now it's your turn for the third. Yes, it is. Um, So my third game was Murdered Soul Suspect. And I ended up really liking this game, not knowing too much of what to expect from it, but... As you will hear if you listen to our episode on that show, I kind of knew the game had a reputation for having like some major flaws as far as the story, the gameplay, and et cetera, et cetera. But I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was a really cool like alternative to a third-person shooter where there's in this game there's really not any kind of shooting or combat. And uh, I always enjoy those kind of experiences, and I am looking forward to playing that game again because I enjoyed it so much for our playthrough. So my number two is Child of Light. I really, really like this game. It was I bought it physically on the Vita, which is the only physical version of this game still, as far as I know. So that's a cool piece of my collection. I enjoyed the music, the artwork. As we mentioned on the show, it's been criticized for being a little bit easy, a little simplistic, but that's one of the things I loved about it. It was very a nice, relaxing game to play after a hard day at work to just unwind and uh, all the pastel colors and the soothing music. It was a game that I really, really enjoyed. And much like Murdered Soul Suspect, it's a game that I intend to play again at some point. Very nice. 
All right, Doug, number two, what you number got? Number two, Secret of Mana. Again, just an, an incredible game. It's I'm looking forward to the remake. I hope they don't screw it up on the PS4. But um, I, I plan on playing it again through that. It's one of these games that I think I've played Secret of Mana all the way through like three times so far. I mean, it's not one I go and play every year, but it's it's definitely one that has a good story and it's a, a fun game to play. If you've never played it, it's it's a must play. That's how I feel about that game. Very true. All right. Well, my number two pick, Sean, I'm with you, buddy. Child of Light, nice. number two. I agree. Very simple RPG, but at the same time, man, it's one of the most beautiful experiences I've uh, ever had in gaming. I love the artwork and the, the hand-drawn figures. It's a beauty to behold. And a game with just so much personality great story you know you, you feel like you're in a fairy tale as you as you're playing the game and it's just really cool I, I loved everything about it loved my experience with it and like shining force 2 it was a game i played on a handheld because if you remember shining force 2 i actually played on my nomad when i was with my family at the beach and so yeah two handheld games here in the top and i'm not the kind of person that plays a lot of handheld games i'm, I'm a console guy and so I'm kind of shocked that uh, my number three and number two picks are on the handheld. But yeah, Child of Light, great experience. And just want to say that uh, I included a copy of it in my Secret Santa's gift bag this year. So my Secret Santa will be getting a copy of Child of Light. I hope I'm the Secret Santa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're down to it, guys. Our number one pick. And I'll be going first. So, like we've done in years past, any guesses as far as what my number one pick might be? I'm going to go with probably way off Final Fantasy Adventure. Dude, you nailed it. Final Fantasy Adventure is my number one pick. And if Sean's going to catch some crap, I'm going to catch some major crap (laughs) for picking Final Fantasy Adventure and leaving Secret of Mana off of my list. I love Secret of Mana, and I feel like I have to defend not putting it on here. It's a great game, and I think maybe had I not played Secret of Evermore first, which I love so much, that maybe I would have had a better experience with Secret of Mana. I don't know. I just didn't like the whole group interaction of Secret of Mana and the whole group attack. I kind of like being an individual when I'm playing a game like this. And so, for that reason, Final Fantasy Adventure appealed to me a lot. Our episode hasn't come out for Final Fantasy Adventure yet, and will come out in the next few days, actually. But, again, another handheld game for me. I don't know what got into me this year. It's crazy, right? But I loved Final Fantasy Adventure. I, I thought the story was awesome. I thought the sprite work is awesome in the game. The music is so fantastic. And why I'm putting this at number one, it was such a great experience for me. But the thing is, it really changed the way I thought about the Game Boy. The Game Boy wasn't a system I owned. It was a system that my younger brother owned. And I would just play it in the back seat with him on trips with my family. And so I never thought much of the Game Boy. I thought, well, these are just kind of all simplistic games. Final Fantasy Adventure is a super, super deep game for a Game Boy title and just an amazing experience. And so that's why I put it as my number one pick for 2017. All right. Doug, 
number one. Let's see. Uh, what do you think, Sean? What's he picking, man? Uh, I don't know. Siberia. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna say uh I don't think he's picked Shining Force two yet. So that's what I'm gonna go uh, with. Then you would be correct, sir. Yeah, me cool. Awesome. Shining Force two it is. Uh being a Sega fanboy. If I didn't do it, uh, the Sega gods would come down and spite me. But um no, i the Shining Force series I've I've always loved. And two, I think I played that before I played one when I you know, when I had my Genesis of first got it i didn't actually know there was a one i didn't know about shining force until shining force 2 came out and i bought that game and i played through it and i loved it as a kid and then i found out a you know found a copy of one and played through that and loved that and um three is also in the same boat i I actually not finished three because somebody erased my save before i finished it and i've not gone back through but now i'm doing my saturn challenge i'm going to play through it i promise but Shining Force 2, I actually beat twice during our playthrough, because I played wow. through the normal game, and then I played through, there's a hack that I have on my EverDrive where there's no walking, it's just battle versus battle versus battle, so you just go straight through the battles, and then in between them, they kind of added the uh, scene kind of like that's in um, the uh, Shining Force on the Game Gear, where it's just like, okay. quick pick what you need, and then go back to the next battle. So I played through it again just to see if I could improve my battle speed or get through the the different battles quicker. Because that's an obvious choice for me. I was debating on if I was going to go for the games I really enjoyed or the ones that surprised me. So my first three was my surprises and my last two was the ones I really enjoyed. So that's how I decided to do my list. I don't know why. But yeah, Shining Force 2 will always be my baby. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, it's your list. Yep. You pick it any way you exactly. want to. All right, Sean. You could probably guess mine. What do you think? Oh, I got it, man. I'm going to say Last Guardian. Yes, of course, it's the Last <laughs> Guardian. Um, you love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can I say about this game? You got to listen to our episode. I keep saying that, but I mean, I feel like... Our last Guardian episode was maybe one of our best as far as Rich, you and I just having a one-on-one conversation and really being lucid in our thoughts about this game and the bond that the player forms with the animal in this game. And as we've been kind of harping on as of late in our past couple of episodes, this game, as we mentioned, creates a bond that I don't think has even come close to being matched in any game. It's my favorite game in the Eco Trilogy. It's the game I'm most likely to play again out of the three Eco games. Even though I saw some of the footage of that Shadow of the Colossus remake that they're doing, and it does look pretty incredible. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got to stick with The Last Guardian as just a... It's an incredible thing to exist in the gaming landscape as a piece of art and as an experience. So... That, that was definitely uh, my favorite game that we played this year. Last of Guardian was an incredible game. It's actually the only Eco series game that I've finished. I've tried to play through Eco and Chaz Colossus. Uh, I've just never really, never drilled me in so much that I, I was urged to finish them. I got distracted by something else. So, But I, after playing Last Guardian, I'm like, I might have to go back and play the other two. Yeah. Eco is pretty short. I would I would try to knock out Eco first. It's only like six or seven hours long. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I've got my little PlayStation monitor here. I can play it in 3D on my PS3. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you know, those are those type of games. They don't have a lot of story. And a lot of stories kind of left to the imagination as far as Shadow of the Colossus is concerned. And even in some points, Eco, until you get closer toward the end. So I would say a lot of people probably put those games down because of that. There's nothing really kind of driving it other than action. But, uh, you know, for me, I still love Shadow of the Colossus. Such a great game. All right, so along with our best of 2017 list, what we also like to do is we like to have a few subcategories. And so our first subcategory is least favorite or most disappointing playthrough game. And we're coming back around to Sean, so we're going to keep that same order. All right, I bet y'all can guess this one too. Uh, <laughs> it might be all of our picks. <laughs> yeah, <Some> maybe. <laughs> so I'm going. All right, oh, hold on, hold on. Let's do one, two, three, and we'll all say it at the same time. Okay. okay. You ready? <laughs> all right. One, two, three. Siberia. Siberia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll leave some of the discussion to you guys since you're both also choosing this as most disappointing. But this game was just, uh, it was laborious. I'd rather be at work than yes. play this game. And I played it with a walkthrough and I skipped all the dialogue and I, it was still, I would have rather been at work. So, uh, Okay, yeah. you guys at least had a decent version. I decided to play the DS version. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yes. I forgot about yeah. that. I decided to, you know, because I played the original one. And, I mean, me and my wife played through Siberia 1 and 2. And we like to point and collect adventures. And some of the puzzles are entertaining. And the story is okay. It's just more like, okay, what are they going with this? Why are we here? <laughs> um, and then on the DS version, now, take what you played on the original one. Now, let's strip out 70% of the puzzles. And... <laughs> <laughs> and no animation as just still Ugh. and and that's the game i played and that's not a cheap game no. either i happened to pick it up at a gamestop sale for five bucks which is okay but i wouldn't spend more than that ever on it again <laughs> that's for sure I, I don't know where it was going with it the um click mechanics is off so like you even have the stylus and you know exactly where you need to click and if you're not pixel perfect you would miss it and it was so frustrating. It was literally torture trying to play that game. Wow. So don't get Siberia, and especially don't get Siberia on the DS. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, I think this is the PlayStation, the PSN is giving yeah, away Siberia 1 and 2 that. on the uh, PS3 this yeah, month. Yeah, PlayStation Plus this month. I laughed when I saw that, Rich. <laughs> that way you don't have to spend money on it if you want to see what we're talking about. <laughs> Well, I'll say I didn't hate Siberia. I'm glad I played through Siberia. I didn't have a horrible experience with the game. It definitely was my least favorite, like Sean said. It was kind of boring. The story wasn't captivating. It was just kind of dull. It never really went anywhere. I mean, no pun intended. I mean, hell, you're on a train. I mean, you do go somewhere, but the story really never goes anywhere. It's good enough where I would consider playing Siberia 2. It's not going to be a playthrough, I don't think, because there's no in hell I'm going to get Sean to play that game. That's right. <laughs> Siberia 2 is a lot more in-depth and adds a little bit more to it than Siberia 1. But don't expect a drastic change. <laughs> yeah. But um, when I was making my list, I was like, everybody's going to pick Siberia. This is going to be so easy. So I came up with a runner-up for least favorite. Um, 
you know, we call this category least favorite, most disappointing playthrough. I'd probably say my next in line for most disappointing, I wouldn't call this least favorite, but a little disappointed would be Until Dawn. Oh, wow. And the only reason I say that is because I felt there was this lack of choice that we talked about on the call. I feel like the game offers choice and makes you think that you're making decisions and that your actions are going to affect what the ending's going to be. And I feel like by the end of the game, you kind of realize that you really didn't have a lot of choice in the game and some things are going to happen regardless of what you do. And that the only actual endings you're going to get that are different are going to be police videos at the end. And the only thing that you can really change is the outcome of does Josh survive or not by making like one little discovery in the game. I thought this game was going to be more of a choose-your-own-adventure type game when, you know, I heard about it. And as a big horror fan, that was something I was really excited about. It's a great game, and I loved it. It won't go out of my collection. It's something that I would definitely play through again with someone. But at the same time, I would say that it probably falls into that disappointment category because I think my expectations were different than uh, what the game delivered, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. So our next category, playthrough game that surprised you the most. And we're coming back to me. So I got to say that I'm not a guy that really likes shooty shoot games and jump around and hit things kind of games, especially first person games as Sean and I have discussed at length in text, right. but even third person hack and slash games. I'm just not a big, big fan of those. But I gotta say, I really, really enjoyed my experience with Enslaved Odyssey to the West. That was a fantastic game from opening to end. It was probably the game that was the most challenging for me throughout the year. But beating that game, man, what a great feeling that was. I love the characters. I love the story of the game. The uh, post-apocalyptic type world, dystopian universe. Great game. And for five bucks, if you can find this game, it's one you got to have in your PS3 collection. Totally worth playing. Okay, Doug, game that surprised you the most? Actually, I have to go with Final Fantasy Adventure. Kind of like in in the same boat that you had. Um, I've never really looked at the Game Boy as a system to have an in-depth game. You know, I know there are on it. I'm not going to down the system. But I was expecting, okay, we're just going to wander around, beat up a few things, and then the game's going to end. And yes, there is a lot of wandering around and just beating up the random creatures that's running at you, but it had a a good storyline, and it it was something that I wanted to pick back up and play longer. And being that, you know, I have my Game Boy player and my uh, Super Game Boy, I played it on every kind of way I could with that cartridge. (laughs) It was in my Game Boy, it was in my... Uh, Game Boy Advance. It was in the Super Game Boy. <laughs> I had it on my TV upstairs on a high-def television. I even threw it through the Frame Meister just to see if I could make it look even better with the crispy little dots. But um, yeah, the game itself, it's definitely one that people should pick up for 20 bucks if they don't have it. I did the same thing, man. I played it on my Game Boy. I played it on my Game Boy Advance. Put it into my uh, Super Game Boy. I actually played the ending twice just so I could see it on the big screen TV. And uh, yeah, man, such a great time with that game. All right, Sean, what game surprised you the most? So this was kind of a hard question for me to answer. I had to think about this a little because 
For the most part, I got what I signed up for, I felt like, with all these games that we played. Even the ones that I was, like I mentioned with Murdered Soul Suspect, I knew enough about the game to kind of expect what it was presenting to us when we ended up playing it kind of thing. So to cut to the chase, I feel that Diablo was kind of a surprise to me because I'm not a PC gamer and especially like a classic PC gamer with very few exceptions. Yes, I've talked about having a PC in our house when I was a kid and playing uh, Escape from Monkey Island and Civilization and everything and Doom and Wolfenstein. But I've always for my whole life been primarily a console gamer. So to go to not only a PC game, but like an old school PC game, quote unquote, it kind of surprised me how into it I was at certain points and how I think I had a bias to kind of think that this game was going to be really archaic and unplayable, which, you know, the PS1 version absolutely is, but the... PC, the PC version was, you know, surprisingly enjoyable to me. It was a tough thing to come up with, but that's what I think was the biggest surprise to me this year. I'm surprised it was your surprise. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, I, I played the Diablo on my PlayStation. I did the whole playthrough through that. Yeah, it was, I tried. It was Bless bad. you, man. Man, you've had a torturous I, year. I did it on purpose, I guess. I just like, let's see. How can I hate myself? All right. I told you 2017's been an awful year for me. I I found a copy for 95 cents and traded it for a copy of Paladin's Quest at RWX. It's the best thing to do with it, I think. (laughs) All right. So our last subcategory, again, this is one of the questions I asked on Twitter, and that is, what was the best game you played in 2017? And again, with a caveat, this doesn't have to be a game that was released in 2017. It can be. But obviously, it looks like the majority of the people that responded to our question came up with the answer, Breath of the Wild. So, yeah, not a game that I've played. Don't own a Switch yet because my damn kids won't beg for one for Christmas because they're weird. I don't know what's wrong <laughs> oh, with them. Man. But yeah, favorite game outside of the playthrough that you played in 2017. Sean, kick it off, man. Nice. Well... I mean, the obvious answer for me is Persona 5, but that's not what I'm going to say because Persona 5 has gotten enough love and coverage and it was a huge game and it's going to get all kinds of Game of the Year awards, even though, man, it's a tough crowd in Game of the Year awards for this year. But um, I was looking at my list of games I've played and I've played so many games this year, more this year than I've played probably in the past four years combined. It took me a minute to kind of look through my list and pick something, but I realized that Attack on Titan on the PS4 is really one of the best, or at least one of my favorite games that I've played this year. And I mentioned it on the podcast, I wrote a review on it for the site, and it's one of those games that I was just kind of, it just hit me at the right time. I played it between watching season one and season two of the anime. Like I said, the adherence to the source material is like pitch perfect and everything you do in the game is something that would be in the anime. Like they just really nailed the source material in this game. And on top of that, it's a really fun game to play. So that's the the best or at least my favorite game that I've played outside of the playthrough. And I'm really psyched for 
Attack on Titan 2, the game, when it comes out. And now I'm just kind of deciding, do I want to get it on the PS4 again? Or it was actually announced for the Switch. So by the time I have a Switch, that game will be coming out. And <laughs> I'm going to have to make that decision. Yeah, man, that game's one that's on my watch list. I'm just waiting for that one to drop below 20 bucks. But uh, yeah, it's definitely on my wish list on RF Generation. Secret Santa, if you're listening out there. <laughs> yeah, that game is like really stubborn with the price. I haven't seen it go too low. I think I paid like 40 bucks for it. I just really wanted it. It's the same price used right now. It's, I mean, it's about 30 to 40 bucks. Yeah. I think there was a sale on Gamefly at some point that it was like nineteen ninety nine, and I missed out on it. It sold out before I ordered it. I just didn't get that notification quick enough. But uh, that was uh, one that I wanted to pick up. But uh, eh, I'll get it down the road. Yeah. No rush. That's what happens when you get a good game off of a TV series or a movie. Then that game becomes harder to get a hold of. Especially That's on true, yeah. yeah. They've got a huge following, so you might even have people buying them that don't even care about the game they just want it because it's uh, that title yeah that's why i'm having so much damn trouble getting all those mary kate and ashley games <laughs> help you out. i got an extra one <laughs> <laughs> all right doug favorite game outside of the playthrough that you played this year again fanboy coming in sonic mania they did an incredible oh, okay. job on sonic mania i was so happy that i got that game played through it they basically just grabbed all of the best of all of the Sonic games and threw it into one. And uh, I don't know if you have you guys played it yet. No, I haven't. No. Yeah, so, you know, take your you know old school 2-bit Sonic and imagine having all of the powers from Sonic CD, Sonic 3, everything into one game, all on the high-def television and very little lag that I could find. Uh, it just played smooth. It was just an incredible game. And uh, if Sega knows anything they will just have white house do all the sonic games from now on just take it away from sonic team they don't know what they're doing anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know that there was kind of a lot of lackluster sonic games released in between this last release so uh, i know a lot of people that are big sonic fans that feel the same way that you do all right myself favorite game outside of the playthrough that you played this year um you know, this was kind of a tough one. And for me, I went with something that I more recently played, but something that I really enjoyed playing with my son. We've had a blast with it, not only in the arcade, but also on the PS4. And that is Darius Burst Chronicle Savior. Um, wow. I don't know a lot of people that are going to say a shmup is like their favorite game that they played in 2017, unless they're a huge shmup fan. I like shmups. I wouldn't say I'm a shmup freak, although I do own a lot of them. But there's something about this game. I love the art style. I love that classic Darius fish and sort of underwater theme. I think it's just so cool. And I love that this series always goes with that. It makes it really stand out and distinguishable among other shmups. But the best thing about it is just playing it with my kid and having like unlimited lives and realizing that, yeah, this is a tough shmup. It's not a bullet hell, but everything has patterns. And if you really put the time into it, you could really do really well on this game. A lot of shmups you really don't feel that way about. They just seem impossible. 
But this one, I think, is just so well done. It's so beautiful. It looks so great on the PS4. And like I said, my son and I played the sit-down four-player cab at the local arcade. And wow, just an amazing, amazing experience that I had in 2017. So that's it. That is awesome. Doug, thanks again for joining us. I really appreciate you coming on the show again. And I certainly hope that you're going to stick with us in 2018 and play some more cool games. What did you think about our list this year? It was a really good list. I mean, um, looking back on it, I like it was almost perfect. I mean, all the games were incredibly well-made games. Siberia even had its uh, ups and downs. The um, <laughs> yeah, and, and Until Dawn, I agree with you on Until Dawn. But it kept you thinking throughout the game up until the end. Yeah, but the list was great. Loved every minute of it. I just wish, you know, I can get in, say more useful things in the uh, the forums. But I do enjoy the games. I definitely will be here next year. I've already got an Oxen free copy from uh, Limited Run Games on the PS4. So we're good. <laughs> All right, man. Awesome. Great to hear. Yeah, I think... You know, as Sean and I talk about the games we're going to play for each month, we definitely have short lists um, of games that we maybe want to play. And uh, we always try to play some classics. But I think what we really like to do is we like to kind of mix it up with some sort of oddball games that get really good reviews and we think people will enjoy. And we like to try to get people out of their comfort zone and play some of the odder or more indie games sometimes, or even titles that maybe they might have missed out on. And so we're doing that again in January. We're actually kicking the year off with a title that got some great accolades, but is a title maybe a lot of people haven't heard about. And that title is Oxenfree. Sean, you're hosting in January, so take it away. Yeah, that's right. I got to kick off the year with a game that I actually played last month, but it really left me wanting more, and it immediately throws you into kind of a new game plus situation and i have been wanting to replay the game ever since the first time i finished it so uh, we talked about it and we decided that would be the game for january i actually started playing my new game plus today and it's funny because i'm telling you this rich to kind of pique your interest and maybe our listeners can relate <laughs> if they listen to our until dawn episode where I said I kind of was adversarial in my own mind with all the characters in that game because I just found them so unlikable. Oxenfree, to me, was kind of the same. I don't want to get too much into it right now. We'll save it for the show. But I will tell you, when I fired up my new game plus, I noticed that I had an achievement for making enemies with every character in the game. So, <laughs> so in my playthrough that I started today for the second time through... I'm role-playing as a nice person and trying to forge friendships <laughs> with everybody. So it'll be interesting to talk about, and it'll be interesting to see what you do when you play through this game. Hell, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be nice. <laughs> well, we'll see. It, it could be a challenge, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Awesome, man. Well, I can't wait to play that game in January. I can't wait to kick off the new year. 
And I can't wait to see how this Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, Super Punch-Out challenge ends up. I have not put the trophy on the website yet, but I definitely have something going right now. And it's going to be super, super cool. Let's just put it this way. You can hang it on your wall. I might have to cool. be uh, trying to get some of those speedrunning things down so I can get that. No. <laughs> yeah, you're really going to want this, man. It'll be a cool piece to sit up in your game room and uh, give you something to talk about for anyone that enters your game room. Again, thank you, Doug. Thank you, all of our participants who joined us in 2017. Had a great year with all of you guys. Thanks for checking in on the forums. Thanks for all the discussion. It was a blast and can't wait to repeat that in 2018. And that will wrap up our year-end discussion for 2017. Put a bow on it. Thanks again for listening, and thank you to everyone who participated in all of our playthroughs this year, as well as our site competition in December. Extra special thanks to Dougley007 for joining us on the show once again, and for participating in pretty much every playthrough we do. We have decided to start the new year off with a dark mystery adventure title. Night School Studios' debut title, The Haunting 2D Adventure Oxenfree from 2016, is available on many platforms including Steam, Good Old Games, Xbox One, the Nintendo Switch, and even a limited run game's physical edition for the PlayStation 4, which is still reasonably priced on the second-hand market. No, really, just ask Single Banana. Join us in January as we venture to uncover the mysteries of Edwards Island in this stylish indie gem. Thank you as always for listening, and we'll see you next time on the RF Generation Playcast.